The Coaching You Podcast is presented by Huddle Basketball and Huddle Assist, your best solution to capture and analyze every aspect of the game from the first tip to the final buzzer. Hey, welcome to another Coaching You Podcast presented by our friends at Huddle and Huddle Assist. And today it is basketball. The entire time, Chris Oliver, the head of basketball immersion, great, great membership site, and a dear friend and a faculty member of Coaching You Live uh, is just going to present. We're just going to talk basketball. And I'm telling you, I really enjoyed this because he's one of the people that has an incredible mindset that just wants to keep learning and sharing. So after this quick timeout, we're going to be back with Chris Oliver. The best basketball coaches are relying on data more than ever. That's why coaches love Huddle Assist. With Assist, you get full game breakdowns, including complete team and player stats in less than 24 hours. Your stats are ready when you need them. And Assist is more than just a box score. Use interactive reports like shot charts and advanced stats like like lineup data, VPS, and of course, effective field goal percentage to coach smarter. Plus, Assist brings your stats to life. Every stat is marked on the video at the moment it happened. See every shot, turnover, rebound, and much more with just a few clicks. Want to see how Huddle Assist is elevating basketball? Visit huddle.com slash assist. That's H-U-D-L dot com slash assist to learn more. MindView is an amazing, amazing company that literally is just releasing a platform They have developed an incredible assessment that we have just totally, totally been blown away with because on this assessment that you can take in a matter of 15 minutes or so, 20 minutes on your phone, the things that you've never been able to measure before, like resilience, grit, hope, adaptability, all these things, they are able to measure them as to how you're thinking and feeling right now. This is a game changer. As far as I'm concerned, I'm a strength finder guy. I love all that. But MindView is the latest technology. It is just literally coming on the market right now. The platform that they've created is second to none. The emphasis right now on your players' mental wellness is unprecedented. I'm sold on MindView. Now it's your turn. For more information about MindView, M-I-N-D-V-U-E, please contact the COO, Cleet McQuinn. His email is cmcquinn at mindview.com or visit their website at mindview.com. So excited to have uh, my dear friend Chris Oliver as our guest today. Chris, how are you doing, my friend? I'm wonderful. Always great to talk basketball with you. Well, as the, um, you know, you know, we fell in love a few years ago at a clinic in Florida, man. And, uh, you know, and you joined our faculty at Coaching You and uh, have been a great, great contributor to us there. And uh, so excited that, you know, you know, basketball immersion has just evolved into one of the great sites and memberships that you can have in basketball. Congratulations on that. Well, thank you, Coach. And uh, as you know, in life, it's so important to have mentors. And, uh, you know, I'm grateful to have someone with you uh, to be able to talk and uh, not just about basketball, but about life and business and all those other things. And uh, obviously, a big shout out to Zach behind the scenes as well, who has influenced me tremendously with some of his ideas as well. 
And me too. And, uh, you know, but the thing that I, I was such a strong, even though I love Windsor, you know, Canada, where you're from, uh, you know, I was such a big influence on you. I got to move you to move to America, except the wrong side of America. <laughs> you went to the West Coast, you know, so I couldn't see you. But, uh, you know, so you've been there now, and, and I think that's great. And it's made, in a tough year, it's made our country better, trust me. I wish we could get the other half of Canada down here and really make our country better because I love my Canadian friends. Uh, it's great people, great area, and, boy, do they love sports. Coach, I'm so lucky. I mean, I love Canada and growing up in Canada and the education system that we had for coaches is just tremendous. But when anyone, anyone asked me why I moved to America, I just tell them it just the weather. Like we just wanted to live somewhere warm and that's why we moved to California. And uh, that is simply as simply as get. We love America too. Don't get me wrong, but uh, it was a warmth decision. So I came from Atlanta to the Detroit Pistons and I said to Chuck Daly, this is really cold here. He said, buy a Buy a warm coat. That was his coaching to me. <laughs> Buy a warm coat. Don't worry about it. All right. Absolutely. Well, let's talk some basketball. I, I think we've had, and I want your opinion on this, Chris, because you're one of the great teachers of the game. I think uh, the since March, you know, when we went into our unfortunate pandemic worldwide, um, I think it's been the greatest learning in my career uh, for basketball. What say you? I couldn't agree more. I mean, number one, people had time that they didn't have previously, right? If you want to just look at a college coach who normally would be recruiting a ton, instead they were at home. Mm -hmm. So they had this opportunity to jump on all these Zoom clinics and all these Zoom calls and all these private calls and all these different things that happened. And there's no question it stimulated people's thinking more than any other time in coaching. I don't think any coach in America had ever been on a Zoom before the pandemic. I really don't. And now that's now they do everything on it. You know, they're all they're recruiting, et cetera. And so I think it's really one of the you know, it's like, you know, they add, you know, different words to our dictionary and thesaurus and I think Zoom is now going to the top, I think I really do. But when you uh you know you, myself, Zach, we we lead the country in Zoom calls, I always say. You know, I'm not sure I do much more, but I lead the country in Zoom calls. What were, in all the times when you were on there teaching and learning, uh, what were things that you were, you know, you were finding out that people wanted to know or didn't have a damn idea about? Well, personally for me, I mean, a lot of it was about, I think everyone's always been aligned with some of the ideas I share. Like when I speak, it mm -hmm. makes sense to them. But where they struggle is with implementation of those ideas. How do I actually do this in my practice? How do I actually add this to be able to improve what I do? And that was a big part of a lot of the conversations that I had with coaches at all levels of basketball was they had more time to be able to dive into actually practically how do you add a games approach? How do you use small-sided games? How do you teach through the context of the game? All these different things. And then I'd say the second area, which I know we both had tons of conversations about, was just about how the game has changed and how coaches can adapt those ideas to what they do. And I think we've seen that. I mean, especially if, again, we focus on the college game, uh, the high school game, I think coaches are adding more of these modern ideas to what they do and the game has improved because of it. I agree, Chris. Uh, you know, when I played in high school and college and I, I was so blessed to have the greatest, you know, one of the greatest coaches and teachers ever in the game and UB Brown is my high school coach. And then, you know, 
And someone said, what did you do when you were in college as far as jobs in the summer? And I worked 10 weeks of basketball camp and also was UB Brown's demonstrator when he did clinics, camps in the summer. So I would go and we would do 50, 5 lectures at camps. And I was the demonstrator and stuff. So you talk about talk about getting better as a player just by listening to having him coach me every day, you know, as a college player. And then being able to actually pick his brain as we were going from camp to camp. I mean, you know, I don't even remember if he paid me. But either way, I, I what an advantage. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter if he even gave me a, a Coke. I mean, because I came out so far ahead of that. But one of the things that Yubi was a great, he comes from the Aula Balbo, Bob Knight, uh, man-to-man defense. And so he gave me all that defensive stuff early on. And then when I went with Mike Fratello and Yubi to the Hawks, they same thing. We were way out in front of other NBA coaches as far as defense because we were playing like college defensive coaches because all three of us were college coaches. And so we, we came with a very aggressive defensive style. All that now has totally changed where now everyone gets honorary degrees from the Dick Bennett, Tony Bennett, Jim Boone School of Pack Line Defense, which I love. They, they do great and stuff, but you better be able to play against it. And then now the new modern uh, Steve Kerr switching man-to-man defense which he brought in with Golden State years ago, it's totally changed the game. You know, so if you're focused and you haven't made a change in your coaching style for years, you're in trouble because you don't know how to score against those things. What have you found uh, in your research on that? Well, I guess the first thing maybe I want to throw out there is that this is to get your opinion on it too, because obviously we're both experts on our own opinion, but we could be (laughs) wrong, right? So the the thing is, is that what I've seen is defense always seems to be the filled with absolutes. Like you absolutely do this. And I think the problem is a lot of coaches have tried to coach offense the same way where you absolutely have to do this, but offense requires more individual solutions rather than plug and play. And that's where I think a lot of times, I mean, coaches can hang their hat on their defense because we can control more of the absolutes. So what I'm seeing now is coaches getting out of their comfort zone from saying offense is this plug and play mentality to now I've got to find ways to be able to take advantage of individual players' abilities and come up with solutions that fit them and help us. And that's what I'm seeing more of. I love that. Plug and play Zach put that on our list of terminologies. I love that. Chris, the idea of terminology or language, uh, I always say, you know, we're not different than people that from different countries, you know, that you can speak different language. But as a basketball team, everyone on the team has to speak, and the coaching staff have to speak the same language. You and I might have... Uh, understand a term, but you might use one word, I use another. Uh, We have a lot of those going on right now with a lot of people coming up with a name for something and then uh, a definition of it. What what have you found, uh, because you teach worldwide, you have clients from all over the world. Uh, you, You have probably people that call things differently, don't you? 
<laughs> no question. And, and I think a lot of times I try and default to the NBA terminology simply because, again, as you know, they're the ones that spend the most time on basketball. Mm-hmm. So I tend to give them credit that they come up with some things that are a little bit more logical or they're the ones that kind of name it first sure. and it gets passed down to us. But, uh, you know, we talked about one of the trends. Uh, let's start with one that we both understand pretty well, and that's this concept of a boomerang that we're seeing a lot more. And this is this pass pass and pass right back mentality, a boomerang. And that we're seeing a lot more because teams are, again, coaching to the player's solution. So we find, okay, they've got a matchup. They want to pass it to a teammate and then space so that they get it back so that they can build up speed and space to be able to attack a matchup. And this boomerang count concept applies to what you've already referred to as these switching defenses that are coming out. Right. We run a ball screen, we create a switch. Okay, now I've got a switch. Instead of just facing up with no space to attack the matchup on the perimeter, I pass it to a player one pass away. I back up, they pass it right back to me, and now I can attack with speed and space. And we're seeing that a lot more at, again, international NBA level. And now progressively it's getting passed down to uh, college and high school. I love that too. And I, I'll be honest with you, that concept I only picked up last year, you know, and I said, I thought that was terrific, you know. I think that was – give me one more that you're, uh, that you, that's different terminology that we've only picked up in the last year or two. Well, the one that we talked about <laughs> a little bit off air is stampede. And, that, and, again, that's a term that, you know, people can call it whatever they want. But this stampede concept, everyone can visualize James Harden, uh, that he is going to isolate, let's say, on top. And now the defense is going to load up. So they're going to go early and help. Uh, you can call it pack line or just being early for the individual matchup. And now Harden is going to act like he's going to attack, but instead of attacking, he makes a quick pass to a player one pass away that now they have this space advantage because their defender is in help and not just in help, but they're extreme in help to be able to take away Harden. So now on that catch, they can go. So they just back a little bit up and now on that catch, they're just attacking immediately into that gap, into that space. So uh, a lot of, again, from NBA down, I've heard the term stampede, and now you're seeing that to be able to attack one pass away. And that doesn't have to happen just in ISO. Sometimes now we're seeing it off of a ball screen. So as the player's setting up the ball screen, they see teams loading up one pass away, and now they make that quick pass away. And as you talked about, this is important because in the college game, high school game, and a lot of levels, pack line defense is the dominant defense. So we have to find ways to be able to attack that help one pass away. You know, I think, uh, I think one of the things that, you know, we have, we've come to see is that, uh, uh, you know, at our coaching you live event in, uh, in Vegas a couple of years ago, um, I did 10, uh, plays for crunch time and stuff like that. And one of them had to do with attacking a pack line with a lot of movement and stuff. And Tony Bennett got the video, and he says, "Don't teach anything that hurts the back line, you know." <laughs> you know and uh, you know, but I, I think that that that's so great, you know, uh, things like that. But you know, one of the things that I think are the ghost screen, uh, which is something again really new to me. Um, but I'll tell you what, it's really good. Uh, explain that to our listeners. Well, a ghost screen is basically a fake screen, and, and traditionally it happened off of ball screens where a player would run and act like they're going to set the ball screen, but really they just sprint away. So what it does is it empties space. And often, as you know, as a ball screen is approaching, the on-the-ball defender will turn their feet 
to force the ball handler into their help, which is into the screen. So now that the defender has changed their feet, if suddenly the ball screen isn't there, the obviously the defender covering the ball screen isn't there as well. So now there's space created to be able to attack. And uh, it's tremendous. And we're seeing not just ghost screens to ball screens, but now we're seeing ghost screens off the ball as well. Say it's a, someone going to set a back screen, but instead of setting the back screen, they quickly sprint away into, say, a handoff. And you see that a lot more at the international NBA level as well. And, uh, you know, the, just these type of things, Coach. I mean, I got to come back. You said coaching you live. I got to say, you guys were pioneers in the fact that one of the best things about your clinic was is that we saw these deep dives, these deep dives on one or two subjects that we just didn't get before. And that was the other advantage of these Zoom clinics is I thought coaches got really creative. Instead of going to the same old, same old clinic, you were seeing really deep dives on subjects. And I think that was a big part of it. And things like ghost screens and stampedes and boomerangs, all these things got real, real deep attention. You know, I, I think uh, one of the things that we, you know, we, we saw that I learned about was, you know, the ghost screens initially were only post players coming up and doing it, right? But now yep. we see people actually coming and setting a ghost screen from a wing, a wing player coming, and even a point guard coming and sprinting. And it's really effective against teams that switch or teams that love to hard hedge. You know, because, Which is the college game, right, Coach? Yeah, yeah. Still predominantly, I would say, hard hedging is there yeah, in high school yeah, as well. They're, they're, some of them yeah. are going to different churches now, and they're trying to switch. But, yeah. you know, but those are the two things. But at the college game, you know, it's still it's now 90% man-to-man defense still, which I, I thought I'd see a lot of zone this year. It's more man-to-man than ever. Uh, Chris, we're going to take a quick timeout, and we're going to be right back. Prepare like the pros with the new FastDraw. FastDraw is the number one affordable coaching tool used by pro and high school level teams worldwide. With FastDraw, you can save your plays and playbooks digitally, attach video and share with other coaches and your players in seconds. In addition to a great product, they also provide basketball coaching content and resources through their blog and play bank, which features over 8,000 free plays and drills from their online coaching community. For access to these plays and more information, visit FastModelSports.com or follow them on Twitter at FastModel. Don't forget to use promo code CU10, that is CU10, to receive 10% off your next FastModel purchase. And back with our friend Chris Oliver. Chris, let me ask you, what about a RAM screen? Uh, Ram screens and ghost screens. Again, you know, I'm th- I th- fascinated by this subject. Well, and this is the next level is you're seeing coaches now sequence certain things together. So a Ram screen is a screen, the screener to the ball screen. So say a post screens a post and they run and set a ball screen. Now you're seeing a lot of, uh, you know, little on big screens to the ball screen. And the idea of all Ram screens is to have the screener arrive alone. So they arrive without their help defender, without the player that's ultimately going to hedge or shock or drop or something like that. So you're seeing certainly a lot more of that, and that's always existed. So, But what you're seeing now is coaches sequence things together. So say you have a ram screen to a ghost screen and now a follow screen, which is actually the ball screen. And it's these multiple actions that are going to be sequenced together to be able to, again, distort the defense and distort the defensive coverage. And particularly like we talk about both is – creating single side tags instead of double side tags right. in ball screen coverages. 
term cuts across. I love this. So again, not necessarily a new concept, but the way it's being applied is new. Yep. And coach's easiest way to think about it is instead of taking a deep cut. So let's say I pass and I cut all the way to the rim and then I empty out to the weak side. What we're finding is teams applying more of what these, these shallow cuts or what I call a cross cuts. And that's the ability to be able to empty faster. And the reason is if I pass to one pass away and then instead of emptying to the rim and out, I empty right across an inside cut or something like that. I'm taking my defender faster away and I'm distorting their ability to be able to help because now they have to cover my cut, which is a lot faster. And again, in a lot of ways, it's a cut across the action instead of a cut away from the action. And as we know, when you cut away from the action, that allows the defender to be able to stop and maintain their help position instead of following the cutter. But when you cut across the action, that defender has to stay with the cut because temporarily, obviously, you're a ball side. Show me, uh, explain to me if you could, and for our listeners, what would what is an offense that you've seen that uses something like that? Give me a description as best you can on our podcast. Well, let's let's say it's a let's start with a simple wide action. So everyone is five out, and now a wing player has the ball. Say that's a point guard brings out the ball. And say there's a simple exchange on top or the matchup is already on top, but the player at the 45 or the slot passes to the top and they empty or cut across that pass. So they follow their pass straight across. Right. And now you load three on a side. And now what you've created for that ISO to probably their dominant hand is a double gap. So spacing where now the closest defender is now not one pass away, they're two passes away. And that's what that's, in my opinion, what has allowed these wide five out actions to work effectively at a lot of levels is that coaches are now figuring out how to create these double gaps. And that's what really in a cross cut helps. So it, it, for our listeners, the five out, uh, let's just say for, you know, for just so you can picture this, a point guard, two wings, two guys in the corner, let's say. And the players in the corner, not necessarily big players even, but the, let's just say uh, the player on the, on the wing threw the ball back to the top who happens to be your best scorer. And now yeah. he cuts straight across. Your best shooter is in the right corner, and the guy cut from the right wing to the left wing. Uh, that player at the top just drives by his man, He's driving to the lane and he's going to lay it up because the other three players on the left side of the floor, they're all behind the three-point line. And if you haven't been well coached and you help off the corner man, you're giving a wide open three to that guy. If you stay at home with him, you're giving a wide open layup, correct? Well, and that, that that's exactly that. And, uh, you know, I've had a number of coaches make some really great points, which is it's hard to run good offense against bad defense. Right. Like in a lot of ways, sometimes offense doesn't look good because the defense isn't very good. So now you can take advantage of advantages that, you know, you're probably your great offense doesn't have to run to take advantage of. And helping off the ball side corner is a great example of that coach. Sure. Like you still see teams helping off the ball side corner. In a lot of ways, it's like, well, why are you running any offense? If they're going to help off the ball side corner, just create an advantage to be able to attack towards the ball side corner. And put your best shooter in the ball side corner. Right. Right. Like it's as simple as that in a lot of ways. And uh, that's where a lot of this stuff becomes, again, much more interesting when there's good offense versus good defense. Yeah. Chris, uh, what about off the ball cutting on drives and ball screen actions to attack the help defender who happens to lose sight 
of where the ball is. Explain that. Well, I mean, and there's there's something, Coach, coming back to your Zoom point. I, I saw so many great, great presentations on cutting off the ball, which, again, everyone kind of harps on saying it's a lost skill. It's a lost skill. Well, the difference is it's it's just not the same as in the past, where it's kind of this pass and cut action. Most of off the ball cutting now is happening on drives or out of ball screen. And the idea being is that the defender, say one pass away or two passes away, whether it's a single or a double side, is now losing sight of their check because they are focused on the main action. And this is, no matter how much we coach it, coach, players lose sight of their check. So (laughs) it's just taking advantage of human tendency. And it's the idea that as I drive the ball, a player off the ball cuts at the same time because their defender loses sight. Chris, any uh, let's let's help our listeners uh, that you know they might not. We're talking a little bit of five out. If you're watching the pro game, uh, I would say eighty plus percent or more of the teams are using some variation of it, right? Maybe a, maybe a hundred percent almost really, uh, but they're using it. Uh, try to give me some things that a a brief definition of it. And then some things that you might have seen on a Zoom uh, in your learning uh, to, you know, that you ha- we hadn't seen in the past. Uh, are you talking specifically out of five-out five action? Out of five-out. Out, five okay. out of five-out. So, so here's the thing. Again, when you watch the NBA, we know the spacing is different. We also know the talent is different. So the gravity is different in terms of a player one pass away or two passes away. You, they're just better shooters than at any other level. So what we're finding is teams are helping less off of shooters. So these wide and these five out actions are more effective because you're less likely to help off of certain players. And as you move down in levels with less skill, it's much harder to be able to run five out actions because teams are packed. Teams are in help. And that why it becomes this necessity to be able to, if you do run wide actions to be able to create these double gaps you know, these gaps where a player is not one pass away so he can attack in his face. So we're seeing that. The other part with that, I would just see that we're seeing a lot more, you know, what we would say is these old school five out actions at the NBA level where someone's just pass and screen away. Sure. And now these simple two player actions are more effective because you're occupying the defense. And now that's a great time to be able to drive. Like the best isolation situations come out of your offense where two players are again, involved in an action now the player who has the ball can drive because help is occupied and you're seeing more of that happen i want to share um with our listeners a couple of actions that i've seen that are new this year i feel that really any team any offense could run them so picture let's say the ball being brought down the left side of the floor we're in a five out action your center is at the top and your shooter or another shooter's on the right wing. Uh, so what happens as they come down the floor is the center just screens away for the off wing who comes to the top of the key. As the, as the player passes him the ball, the guy with the ball passes to the, the wing coming to the top of the key, this is what I think is something new. He follows his pass and gets a, and we call it a get, gets the ball back on a handoff. And... So much better than a dribble handoff because now he can give it to him. He can fake giving it to him. But now if he gets it, he's kind of going downhill, Chris. And now what the center who screened away does is he kind of sets that horns angle pick and roll 
so that now the player, the point guard, he's coming downhill on a pick and roll, and that that center can screen and sprint to the rim, and your first guy that caught it is stepping back and spacing out. Really, these innovative things where they're passing and getting the ball back, I think, are great actions. Well, you mentioned two great things there, Coach. Number one is the get, and number two is handoffs. And and definitely, uh, NBA internationally, you're seeing a lot more creativity with handoffs. And what you mentioned at the get, which I've always referred to, is a pinch post anywhere on the floor. Right. Shout out to Tex Winter for that, right? It's just a pinch sure. post in random places. And the advantage, as you already alluded to, is the fact that the player who catches the pass still has their dribble. So it can become a stationary handoff. It can become a dribble handoff or it can be a fake and go type of drive situation, you know, which we can picture a lot of players, you know, Jokic and uh, Draymond Green and different players like that using a lot of these fake handoffs. Yeah. And then the second one I saw Billy Donovan do the other day, which I thought was spectacular. He had his point guard, uh, you know, Kobe White dribbling the ball down the right side. And on the left wing is Zach Levine, who's like, you know, you just wake him up and he scores 35 every night. He's at the left wing, but, you know, it doesn't matter whether the center, you know, it's not a big-time center to either Wendell Carter or Thaddeus Young. All they do is turn and set a stationary screen for Zach Levine. And he reads that screen, and he can turn it into a shuffle cut for a layup. He can back cut it for a layup. Or he can just come straight off and catch the ball at the top and go into the handoff or fake handoff series. Very creative stuff that I hadn't seen that until Billy Donovan put that in this year. And I think that's where, as a coach, you can put your personality in there. And really, all you're doing is spacing the floor out and really teaching kids how to play. Well, I'm glad you brought that up, Coach. I call that a convergence. And, and this is a great example of what See, I talked about earlier. See, you got your damn PhD, so I, I, I don't know that stuff, convergence. But, but think about it. Convergence is like two <laughs> screens coming together, and now the offensive player gets their choice. And to me, that's a great example of coaching to the player's solution, not yours, right? You're yeah. giving them the opportunity to make the best decision based on their read of the defense. And that's the opposite of this absolute or this continuity where you have to go to this spot because that's what the offense does. This is, hey, Zach, make the best decision according to how the defense plays you and the other players will play off of that. And that's such a great example. So I'm glad you brought that up. Hey, after this quick timeout, I want you to explain some of the new ways we've seen the Spain action being used, which I love because you know... You know, I get very, very excited at my age when I talk about Spain screen. So we'll be right back. Hi, this is Brendan, sir. I'm talking to coaches, PE teachers, ADs, and camp directors because I'm so excited to announce our newest Coaching You podcast partnership with my friends from 360 Hoops. What if I told you that I've witnessed the most innovative game, training, and exercise for kids that I've seen in decades? 360 Hoops takes up less space than traditional basketball and allows for more players to get involved in developing their basketball fundamentals. The three-sided basket is attached to wheels for easy transportation and can adjust from 7 to 10 feet. The uses are endless, from elementary and middle school recess to physical education class that can also be used for team practice and skill development training for teams with players of all ages. For more information, visit www.play360hoops.com 
to learn more about this new innovative product, make sure you mention Coaching You for a 10% discount. We're thrilled to have our longtime partners and friends at Dr. Dish Basketball on board as sponsors of the Coaching You podcast. Dr. Dish machines are undoubtedly the most user-friendly and advanced machines in the world of basketball today. Dr. Dish has completely revolutionized and reimagined the shooting machine to provide the best solution on the market. Join top programs around the world like Duke, North Carolina, Florida, and countless others and upgrade your shooting machine to Dr. Dish. Dr. Dish machines are the best way to increase purposeful reps in your program to get players better, faster, while tracking progress along the way. Dr. Dish provides so much more than just your standard shooting machines with custom training, pro trainers, and coaches on demand, real-time and detailed analytics, and top-of-the-line drills and workouts. If you're looking to take your program to the next level, look no further than Dr. Dish for the best basketball training machine in the world. If you have an old machine that's just collecting dust in your gym, did you know that you can trade that in to Dr. Dish for up to $1,500 off and get a new dish? Make sure to give our friends at Dr. Dish a follow at Dr. Dish B-Ball on Twitter and Instagram for great daily drills, workouts, tips, and inspiration. Or contact us at drdishbasketball.com. Don't forget to mention Coaching You or our podcast for $300 off your purchase. Back with Chris Oliver from Basketball Immersion. And Chris, you're going to educate us on, we love Spain screens, but now how teams are disguising it so it's not easy to defend. Well, the first thing, Coach, is, and we both love Spain, and there's just so many so many options off of this, but the one thing is the player that sets the back screen now, mm-hmm. instead of popping up, yeah. they're often going to pop to the 45. They're often going to space somewhere where it's not expected. Ooh. And we're seeing that a lot where these things can get combined together. Uh, beyond that, what we're seeing is the use of these masking actions. And again, uh, the influence of pro the pro game on down to different levels has had a positive impact on just more masking actions. Instead of dribbling right into Spain action, now teams are saying, let's say they run shuffle. Well, they run their normal shuffle, but then shuffle breaks into Spain action. And I'm seeing Spain come off of flex. I'm seeing Spain come off of horns. Spain come out of all these other actions where the first action is not the main action. It's just setting up the main action, which becomes Spain. What's our uh, friend, uh, friend Frischella say? It's false action, right? Or- false action, masking. Yep. Yeah, a bunch of different actions before the action. And, uh, you know, you're seeing that again at all levels of basketball. That's just become more part of it. It doesn't have to be complicated. It's just something that if you think about a player's mentality, especially when they're given scout, is usually they remember the first action. Oh, this team's going to run Spain. So now I'm focused on Spain. Well, what happens in my brain when I see them run shuffle? Well, I'm not thinking they're running Spain. I'm thinking they're running shuffle. So my mind is all prepared to defend shuffle. And then all of a sudden it becomes Spain. So it really attacks the psychology of a player and the psychology of learning scout and applying scout. I'd love it. Absolutely love it. Okay. We both have little consulting uh, businesses on the side or in the front. I'm not sure where they are some days. Uh, But, you know, one of the questions that I had this season was from coaches that were on pause and now 
one coach had his team out for 14 days. His team came back for one day, went out for 14 more. 28 out of 30 days he missed practice, actually in October and November, getting ready to start his season. And so he lost all the value of training camp. Other teams, as you know, 7, 10, 14 days of pause. What would be your advice to teams of how do you then get back and you, you might say you have three, four, or five days to get your team ready to play a game? Nice, nice, nice problem to have, right? Where you now after missing all that time, you have five days maybe to get them back. How would you prepare your team? Well, coach, I mean, the first thing is like, I have so much respect for everyone that's, that's, it's finding ways through this pandemic. And what we're often seeing is like at, at, at any job, at all levels, people are just being more innovative because they have to be. So I think the number one thing that comes from all these conversations that I've had with coaches is two things, really. One is normalize it. It is what it is. And it's like, th- th- we can't do anything about this. If it happens, it happens. And we have to normalize this and not make it a big deal. And I found the best coaches are doing that. And then the second thing is this concept of just removing the fluff. You don't have time for all the BS. You just got to get right to the point and get back to, okay, we got to play five on five in practice and we got to get ready to play games. And I think that's something that you and I have always shared and always believed in. And I believe coaches out of necessity now are finding because of the time crunch, they have to get right to the point and they have to teach more out of the context of five on five. That's so good. I know I, I, I said to one coach, I said, you know, if I, if you were coaching the Orlando magic in the summer league, um, the general manager or then the head coach would say to you, uh, listen, we're bringing in 15 players. Uh, we want to, we want to evaluate them. We don't, you know, we really don't want to see how good they do in drills. But you ha- you're going to play games. You got three days of practice. That's what they say to you. Three days, sometimes two and a half. We used to do two and a half in the old days. So you'd have five or six practices. The, after the day after that, they're playing a game in Las Vegas, in the Orlando Summer League, Utah Summer League, etc. Get them ready. There, other than shooting drills and warm up somehow, there's no time for any breakdown drills. You know, so I think that is one of the things that opened my eyes up years ago when I got to the NBA about, you know, how, how do I get a team ready in three days? <laughs> and they're playing in front of crowds and stuff. And you go to watch the summer league in, in Vegas. The games are fabulous and they're organized. The guys can coach. And I, I think that's a real tribute to it. But they're teaching the five on five whole method. What, what are the things, how would you teach five on five? <laughs> this, what I, I say the biggest problem for coaches to, to really adapt to this is teaching five on five shell defense because they've always been on a four-man shell defense, four and four. So there's so many things there, Coach, to unpack. And uh, the, uh, the best thing, I, I, well, you you said it, so let's do this as an exercise for all coaches when they get to the off season. Okay, is now when you do your planning, think about you only have three days to play a game, and what would you do in those three days to get ready to play a game? 
because those are the most important things. And those are the things that we should be starting with. And I think too often coaches start from, I've got to lay out this whole season plan and these progressions of learning and all these different things. And I encourage coaches that I work with to think about reverse engineering and start with what you want it to look like. And then what are the most important things to get it to look like that? And as we know, the game is played five on five. So there's no question it's five on five. The other thing that coaches have to now think about, I think, especially in this pandemic time is what can be player led versus what can be coach led. And I've always said to people is this, the value of you as a coach is that you can connect perception, decisions, and skill together for the player. What a player can do on their own is they can work on skill on their own. They can get 500 shots on their own. They don't need a coach there to do that. They can do stationary, on-air, isolation ball handling on their own. So the value of a coach is let's get right to the point of connecting the game for the player. And that's really where we start from in terms of working with clients or coaches in terms of adopting and adapting more of these ideas. Chris, take me through some of the things that um... – you know, some of the things that I think are staples of yours, one are, you know, your, you know, the different things like, you know, what do you call them short sided games or small side games? What do you, small sided small games, side yeah. games. Talk about that. Well, again, think about what we just talked about in yeah. terms of five on five. The first thing we would do, coach, is we would coach five on five. Okay. And then from there, we would determine what do we need to actually break down? What do we need to work on in smaller parts to be able to help players understand perception, decision, and skill. So small-sided games are really just born from our five-on-five and understanding, hey, we're not as good as we thought on drop ball screen coverage, so let's break it down so that we can spend more time on coaching interventions and players can get more reps. That, to me, is what a small-sided game is. It's not some magical thing that, you know, you and I do the exact same thing. It's born from necessity of saying we need to get better at this so let's create that game situation and let's work on it in smaller parts so players get more reps. They get more reps, they get more decisions, they get more application of skill, that type of concept. I love that. I think that is fantastic. Uh, when you watch, did all your Zoom calls as a participant or a teacher, when you came out of them, because I do think this is the greatest learning we've had in, in college basketball for sure, uh, since I've been involved in it, um, you know, what were some of the biggest takeaways that you saw that they, some of the college coaches that you were on with did not know or did not do? Did not do probably is, is that, but maybe didn't yeah. understand That's how better. to do yeah. it. Yeah. So I would say the number one thing is spacing the corners. The traditionally, again, a lot of high school college offenses are spacing to the 45s or the slots instead of to the corners. So now when you watch the college game, you just see a lot more players standing in the corner. And that's the other part that goes with that coach is it's really hard to get coaches to understand that standing is effective offense. Like we've always kind of get obsessed with this constant movement, constant movement, but you know what standing and this concept of gravity that has been passed down from the NBA is one of those main things that I think a lot of coaches have started to apply in terms of their coaching. And that, that, that's been big. And the other thing that goes with that is the uh, ability for a coach to understand that ball reversal is not the most important thing on offense, hmm. creating advantage and leveraging advantage is, and we don't need 
you know, three, four ball ball reversals to be able to create advantage. Sometimes it is as simple as much as you don't like watching Harden play when he played with the, the Rockets. The simplicity and brilliance of that was, OK, let's get it to someone that's going to create an advantage and either they're going to score or they're going to draw help. And we don't need all this other stuff to go with it if we have a player that can create an advantage and getting right to an action doesn't have to be isolation right to an action that can create an advantage and playing off of that and playing with the end in mind is the other part that I think I've seen coaches, at least that I've worked with and talked with a lot, that they're doing a lot more of that rather than focusing on these massive continuity offenses that look good, but don't necessarily ever create an advantage. If you were coaching at a power five school, you know, how long would your practice be not to start the season, but like mid season, let's say, how long would it be? Well, definitely less than what, what we see. And, and, and that's, again, that comes back to kind of the philosophy I shared already is the difference between player led versus coach led. If I'm a coach, I want to spend most of my time on five on five and in, in, in that level of a practice, because that's what connects and transfers the most information and the most skill application to the game is a player doesn't have to relearn anything in the context of the game because it's happening exactly the way the game was. So most of my practices would be five on five and most of them would be in that range, like less than an hour and a half and they would be high intensity and they'd be game like. So we'd be conditioning and playing at the same time. You know, we wouldn't be doing a lot of isolated skill development. That's all pre and post practice. That's all player led stuff. To me, the bulk of practice should be five on five. When you, uh, I think preparation is one of those things. Colleges, pros now you see they're playing games every day, every other day for sure. Uh, it's You better figure out preparation is important even when you do back-to-backs. But how you prepare the guys who are very skilled, obviously. But at that level, everyone's the same. You know, the team that's in last place, they got freaking good players. They got $90 million minimum on their cap. <laughs> you know, they're really good players. They just aren't winning. So how would you prepare your team if you're playing a game? Uh, maybe that, uh, you know, or colleges, they sometimes spend three days in scouting preparation for an opponent. They're worried more about their opponent, I'd say, than they are about themselves offensively, et cetera. How... What's what? What are your ideas on on preparation with a short time? Yeah, it's and this is something that I'm sure has been innovated by many coaches throughout their time with the pandemic because they've just had simply shorter time periods or they haven't been able to get their roster together to prepare. So now you come up with these other things, and obviously video is the other part that has come from you know pandemic yeah. and coaches when they can't work with their players, they can just use video more as a teaching tool and more in depth. But the part that I've always said about scout that I have challenged coaches to think about is to not think about scout as a whole, but to think about it more in terms of the individuals and the parts and to do more individualized video and to do more individualized prep for individual players in terms of those games. And we know that's happening at the NBA level where each player is getting their individual scout and their individual approach to the game. I think that's a big part of it. And the other part I've said is that, you know, to do scout, basically your scout has to happen and start from day one. And yeah, we can change some specific things for specific opponents, but essentially I'm talking to my players every day that every day, Hey guys, we're doing scout all day today because we're practicing basketball, right? We're practicing basketball. That's scout five on five every day. I come into practice. Okay. Today in one of the scripted five on five situations, we're going to work on Spain action. Well, we're working on Spain with future understanding that we're going to defend it. And Hey, if we run it well enough, we might use it. 
And isn't that the best coach that when you start working on scout and your team runs scout offense better than you run your own offense. And then you say, Hey, maybe we should be running this. So those type of things come from five on five and these small sided games to be able to play scout in a competitive setting. Man, I'll tell you what, it's the most fun I've had in a long time doing this. This is great. Uh, Chris, um, you know, again, thanks for your inspiration. Thanks for you and I both share a great growth mindset and, uh, Thank God. Someone said, boy, I can't believe, uh, you know, all the basketball you know. How was the pandemic for you? I said, best learning I've had in years. I learned so much. Every day, still learning, and you're the same way, and I, that's what I appreciate about you, brother. I really do. Oh, thank you, Coach. That's, that's tremendous to be, uh, you know, I guess any phrasing that applies growth mindset to me, I feel honored. So thank you. Uh, tell us ab- about our listeners that want to uh, sign up and, and subscribe and join your membership at Basketball Immersion, which I've been from day one a proud, proud member of and uh, something that I constantly uh, – how can they sign up, Chris? Well, we're, we're, we're in the middle of a website redesign, which is going to la- launch March 15th, and we're going to go to more course-based learning and different things like that. And, uh, Coach, I'm honored to be on here. I'm, I'm certainly here to share and not sell. But uh, the one thing I would say about basketball immersion and, and the community that we've created is that many websites will provide you ideas on what to teach with a massive content dumping. But what we do with basketball immersion is our website shares what to teach to, for sure. But our focus is on how to teach. And how to apply these small-sided games, constraints-led learning, games approach, you know, different types of techniques around random practice and skill acquisition and motor learning and applying these things in a practical way. So for me, how to add challenge, how to create random practice, how to create game-like training, how to connect and transfer practice skills to game applications. And all of that has been really what Basketball Immersion has been about. And it's been it's been humbling how much it's connected with so many coaches at all levels. I'm telling from the NBA on down to youth. We have members at all levels and we have members from all around the world. And, uh, you know, it's just been tremendous. And, uh, you know, again, what the added benefit coach is like, I'm connecting with people like you, you know, on a daily or a weekly basis and just being able to have these conversations that stimulate further learning. And, uh, that that's been humbling and wonderful. Well, it's my honor. And thank you. And, uh, two weeks, make sure you you're on there. Uh, I can't wait for the new website, Chris. Uh, thank you again. Thank you everyone in our basketball community. Uh, for sharing with us. It's a, it's a great honor. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Coach. Appreciate you. God, I wish I had a team to coach today. My goodness, Chris Oliver, he's got me so fired up. I'm going to be in my sleep calling out Spain, ghost cut, everything. I love it. He is so brilliant, and what a teacher. And again, I, I'm not, I am not trying to sell you to get basketball immersion, but he is one of the people that I love and trust of teaching me new things. And so he has been a dear friend. And again, uh, I think you, this was something that was a good change of pace for us. And I know it'll help you because I walked away with about five more things that I want to teach. So until next week, this is the coach, Brendan Sir. Brendan Sir.